Welcome to the Calvary Assembly podcast with weekly messages from Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. Chapter six, we are finishing a series that we started earlier this year called In Christ, and we've just been walking through the book of Ephesians just passage by passage, looking at what it says and saying, what did, what did Paul write to the, the people then, and what is God saying to us now through his word, through this? Uh, so we're going to wrap up today, Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. If you have the Version Bible app, if you hit that More tab, hit Events, you'll see our church there. You can tap on that. All the notes are in there. So, And then also there'll be notes up here on the screen, and there's handouts out in the foyer. Well, there's a story I read about a, a guy in a small town. He was a vet in a small town, and he actually had some law enforcement training back before he got to be a vet. And so he got elected sheriff. So he was actually the sheriff and the vet for the town. He kind of served a, a unique role there. We got a call in the middle of the night, and his wife answered the phone and they said, hey, we need help over here at this house. She said, well, do you need the vet or do you need the sheriff? And they said, well, we need both. And she said, well, what do you mean? They said, well, we can't get our dog's mouth open. And she said, well, why do you need the sheriff? They said, well, there's a burglar inside his mouth. <laughs> and so, how I many of you know that in our lives, we're going to deal with conflict, right? It just happens. Conflict with people, conflict with animals, conflict with wildlife, you know, all those things happen in our lives. Well, in Ephesians chapter 6, at the end of the book, so Paul's been talking to the church in Ephesus, and if you remember when we started, we said Ephesus was a, a church full of new Christians. It was a new thing that had started. Uh, they were coming out of Judaism, but also there were a lot of Gentiles attending this church. And so not only did you have people who had been in the Jewish religion, but you also had people who were converting from all other kinds of religions. And so you had people coming from worship of the different Roman gods. You had people who just worshiped no gods. And so you got all this mix, and there's a big mix of culture. So inside that culture, what do you have? You have conflict, Right. And so in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul is concluding his letter, and he starts talking about how to deal with conflict. Now, not just any conflict, but how do we deal with supernatural conflict? Because how many of you know there is a very real enemy out there in the world who doesn't want you to serve Jesus? He's there. So Paul is going to talk about how to do this. Now, remember, when Paul wrote this letter, he was under house arrest. So Paul was in prison in a home, and so he had a Roman guard standing guard all the time, and they gave him some some freedom, because they knew Paul wasn't a dangerous guy. So they let him write letters, and they let him have visitors, but he was under house arrest. So at this time, Paul is sitting there, and, and he's writing these letters, and he's looking at these Roman, can you imagine these poor Roman guards here with Paul? They probably heard the gospel all day long, right, um, as he's writing. So in Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 10. This is what Paul says to the church. Now remember, he just got done previously saying, how to live in your Christian household. He's been talking about how to live this Christian life out in the world. And he says this in verse 10, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, because of that conflict, Put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. 
Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I'm in chains now, still preaching the message as God's ambassador. So pray that as I keep on speaking boldly for him, as I should. To bring you up to date, Tychicus will come and give you a full report about how I'm doing and how I'm getting along. He's a beloved brother and a faithful helper in the Lord's work. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we're doing and encourage you. Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters, and may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love and faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we pray that you would speak to us today through your word. Apply it to our hearts. Change us from the inside out, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul's here talking about how to stand firm in your faith because we're all going to face spiritual conflict. And that conflict isn't always with, you know, the devil costume standing there with a little fork and smoke coming off of him, right? The devil's a lot more subtle than that. So he uses different people and different things in our lives to come against us. And so really in the word, we see that we have three different enemies. We have the world around us. How many of you know the world is not operating the, God, the way that God originally intended it, Right? Because sin came into the world, stuff is broken, right? Originally in the garden, Adam and Eve, they would have lived forever. They could eat fruit. They didn't have to worry about diabetes and all these different things. But sin came into the world, and now the world's broken. And so stuff happens in life. It's not always a spiritual attack. Sometimes things just happen, right? But there are definitely spiritual attacks. We, we have enemy of the world. We have our flesh, our sinful nature. We all know that even when we give our lives to Christ, there's still that kernel of sinful nature inside of us, right? And what does it want to do? The wrong thing all the time, right? You know, when we know what we should do and we know what we could do, and, and then that little voice inside of us says, do the wrong thing. And for some people, that voice is louder than others. Uh, but there's still that flesh that's there. And then the devil, the enemy. And so we have all these different things that we fight but we know that Jesus has overcome the world, right? Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But he said, take heart because I've overcome the world. So here's the great thing. We do fight spiritual battles. You will have spiritual enemies coming against you. You will have hardships in life. But we have already won through Christ. He's already won the battle. So it's not like we're just hanging on for dear life. We already have victory in Christ. We just have to stand. And that's what Paul said, stand firm. So how do we do this? How do we put on this armor? How do we stand firm in the faith? Well, first, we have to understand our enemy. We need to understand the enemy is out there. And that enemy is called the devil in Scripture, and he's the chief enemy. So he is the, the big enemy that we have. Now, all of us have probably all seen superhero movies, right? And what is the tension in a superhero movie? You have this great hero who's got all these powers and all this stuff, and then what does he always have? an arch enemy or a nemesis, right? And what, what's the deal? Usually the superhero is really, really strong and the enemy is really, really strong, but just not quite as strong, right? And that's how they had the tension. You know, he's always right there, but the, the superhero is able to come through after a lot of battle. This is not God and Satan. Satan is not God's equal opposite. He's way down here. He's under God's authority, but the Lord gives him leeway in the world. And we see in the book of Job, you know, Satan came up, and, and if you've never read the book of Job, read it. It's really, really interesting. Uh, but he comes up and he says, hey, you know, God's like, hey, look at Job. He's a really amazing guy. And the devil's like, well, just let me attack him. And so God gives him leeway to attack him. But he had to ask permission. 
So Satan does have power, and he is here, but he's not God's equal opposite. It's not like God's up there like, oh, how do I, you know? No, he's under that authority. But he is, he is strong, and he is the chief enemy of our souls. He's been called several things in, in Scripture. He's known as the accuser. He's the one who brings accusation. He's a tempter. Remember, on earth, when Jesus was on earth, who tempted him? Satan, right? He showed up, and he tried to tempt him into doing things that were wrong. He's a murderer and a liar, John 8. Uh, he's compared to a lion, to a serpent, as an angel of light and the God of this world. So we don't know exactly where Satan came from, but we do know he is a created being. He doesn't have the same power that God does. Um, so he's not, some of the things we say about God is he's omnipresent. That means God is everywhere at the same time. He doesn't have to travel. You know, sometimes we travel, Lord, would you go ahead of us? It's like, already there. <laughs> yeah, would you stay with us? Already there. God is everywhere. Satan is not. Satan is not everywhere at the same time because he's not God, right? He's not omniscient. That means he doesn't know everything. The great thing is, you know, when, when God, we ask him an answer, he doesn't have to think about it. He already knows. He knows everything that's happening. Satan does not. He's not omnipotent. It means he's not all-powerful. He's a limited creature. So it, Satan can't know what's going on in your brain, but he does have little minions that run around, demons, Right? So he knows what's going on, but he can't know what's in here. And he doesn't know the future, except he knows his time is limited. So we do have an enemy. He's very real. Don't mess with him. You know, people get into like witchcraft and all the, ooh, I have all these powers. No, you don't. Satan does. So you don't want to mess with him, but he's not God's equal opposite. But he does have assistants. He does have minions. He does have demons, right? Paul says we're fighting evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against the mighty powers of this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Uh, we believe that when Satan was cast out of heaven that he took a third of the angels with him. That's in Revelation chapter uh, 12. Um, he said he swept a third of the stars out of the sky. We believe that, that some of the angels fell with him, and that's what these are. Uh, but we never fight against them in our own power. If you want to read later, it's in your notes there. Daniel chapter 10 talks about how Daniel was praying a prayer and God sent the answer, but then uh, one of the archangels had to fight against a, a demon from a part of Persia. And so we know that they're real. They're out there. But here's the thing, guys. Here's the biggest thing we have to understand. We are not fighting against people. Paul says we're fighting against unseen powers and evil rulers and authorities. So guys, please understand, when we're living this Christian life, it's not people who are our enemies. It's not the Democrats that are our enemies. It's not the Republicans. It's not the independents. It's not Donald Trump. It's not Joe Biden. It's not the LGBTQ movement. It's none of those things. Those are not our enemies. Who is our enemy? Satan and his demons. So Paul says we're not fighting flesh and blood. It's not that neighbor that irritates you so bad. I mean, they might irritate you, but they're not the enemy. It's the world. It's unseen powers. So what are the characteristics? Well, he's strong. Satan is a strong enemy. And in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says this. He says that Satan comes to what? Steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus' purpose is to give us a rich and satisfying life. So Satan wants to do that. He wants to steal and kill and destroy. His, he has no good plans for you. And guys, I've talked to people who've gotten into like Satan worshiping and, and they're like, oh, Satan's got great plans for me. It's like, no, he doesn't. He's going to kill you. And take your stuff. That's what he does. And he lies. If you've ever come across a person who's demon-possessed, and what does that demon want to do with them? Same thing Satan does. Steal, kill, destroy, right? 
I had a professor one time that was talking about, you know, she was teaching kids, and she'd had lots of encounters with demon-possessed people on the mission field. And so, you know, people want to talk to the demon. She's like, don't talk to them. They're going to lie to you. Don't listen to anything they say. Just tell them to leave, right? So we understand that these are here. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, Satan will not outsmart us because we're familiar with his evil schemes. So we know that he wants to steal and kill and destroy. That's all you need to know. But we also know that Jesus is bigger. And so Jesus gives us equipment. And that's what Paul talks about next. We have to understand our equipment. We understand who the enemy is. We have to understand what God has given us to overcome. There are a couple of boys who were uh, grown up in the city, you know, where they have the insect spring and all those things. And so they went on a camping trip with their scout troop. They'd never been camping before. And they were out there, and the mosquitoes were horrendous. So all night long, they're swatting mosquitoes and spraying bug spray. And they never really encountered that before. And that night they went to bed and they saw lightning bugs. They're like, oh my word, they're coming at us with flashlights now. <laughs> but we understand that you have to have the right equipment when you camp, right? Bug nets and all those things. So we have to understand that God has given us equipment. He's given us the ability to withstand this war through his power. And so say, or Paul starts talking about these, Satan. Paul starts talking about these things. And there's a picture in here. I don't know if, I think I missed it, Andrew. Do you have that picture of a Roman soldier? So Paul had, Paul had seen these. This is what a Roman soldier looked like. This is a modern-day version. There's some bad-looking dudes, right? That of Lot of Quinn. And this is what Paul has been looking at every day during house arrest. Probably not in the full dress like that. But Paul has seen these Roman soldiers. And so as he's writing this, he's looking at these guys and saying, yeah, this is really kind of the same thing God has given us to fight this war. So the first thing he talks about is the belt of truth. He provides this armor, and he gives us the the belt of truth. The belt is really what held the armor together. Um, it came around the middle. It's not a belt like we wear now, but it was kind of a sash. But that's where uh, they hang their swords. Sometimes they'd hang equipment on there, kind of like we do. But it, why does he call it truth? Well, truth is really the integrating force in the life of a Christian. It's what holds our lives together. And here's the thing, guys. If we don't live with truth, we're going to be defeated. We have to live with God's truth. And that's why, guys, there's no room in our lives for lies. There's no room in our lives for secrets. Because as Christians, we stand in the truth. And where do we get the truth? God's word, right? So we have to stand in truth. I found this quote that was really great. He says, unless we live in the truth, we can't use the word of truth. Lies will destroy the life of the Christian. And guys, we've seen this. Remember King David in the Old Testament? He was a king. And remember, David made a mistake. Her name was Bathsheba. He had an affair with this lady. And what happened for a year in David's life? Stuff fell apart because he was hiding. He was hiding this affair. So he ended up getting her pregnant. So he had her husband come home from the field. He was in the military. Tried to get her husband to sleep with her so they would think the kid was his, even though he looked a lot like the king, you know. Um, but it didn't work. And so David had him killed. So all this stuff's going on in David's life, and David's life eventually unravels because of this until he confessed, until he came clean. And guys, none of us are ever going to be perfect. We're never going to be perfect, but we need to do our best to live in the truth, to live by the truth, because God's word is always better, right? And here's the thing. Satan is a what? He's a liar. Jesus called him the father of lies. So we understand that Satan is a liar, but when we live in truth, we're starting to emulate Christ. We're being more like him. So he said that belt that holds everything together is truth. Then he says there's a body armor of righteousness. Now, if you grew up in VBS as a kid, they called it, what, the breastplate of righteousness, right? 
Um, and really, when they, when they translated this word, breastplate or body armor, they weren't sure if it was the big metal one like that guy had on or if it was like the chain mail. But either way, the thing that covers us is righteousness. What is righteousness? It's being right in God's sight. And how do we get that? It's through a relationship with Christ. So when we ask Jesus to forgive our sins and we start living in his righteousness, that's the, the armor. That's what holds us together. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul said, God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so we could be made right with God. And then Ephesians chapter 4, a couple weeks ago we read this, in verse 24 it says, Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So here's the thing, guys. When we live in Christ, Satan has nothing to accuse us of, does he? And so that breastplate, that armor, was made to deflect stuff, to keep you safe, to protect your what? Heart, right? That's why you see catchers, baseball catchers, they wear that. Football players wear that. The military wear these things. Um, the body armor they wear. It's to protect your heart, and that's what righteousness does for us. And so we have to be practically righteous in our lives to be positionally right in Christ. And then he says, for shoes, wear the good news, the shoes of peace. Roman soldiers would wear sandals, and that's kind of where we get our idea for cleats. They would actually put nails through the bottom of their sandals so they could stand better on the battlefield. And so they would give them good footing, solid footing. And so kind of where we got our cleat ideas. And so he says that your shoes are the peace that we carry to others. We have to be prepared to wear or to share that peace with others, that gospel that we have. So he said, your, the thing that holds everything together is truth. He said, your position in Christ comes through Christ. That's your righteousness. And he says, you have these shoes that are peace. And we see in Isaiah, it talks about being how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news to others. And so Satan is at war with the world, right? He's causing all kinds of chaos. What has God called us to be? Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says that we are ambassadors of Christ. So we carry that hope with us. And so, guys, we have people all around us whose lives are in upheaval. People all around us are being attacked by Satan because he's, he's an equal opportunity attacker. He's not just attacking Christians. He attacks everybody. The world goes after everybody. And so Jesus puts us in position to share that good news that we have, that righteousness that we have, that truth that we have. He puts us in position to share that with others. And it's not forcing your ideas on somebody else. It's sharing what God has done in us, right? As I said, we went to a motorcycle rally there yesterday, and there were like five Hondas and almost everything else was a Harley. What do Harley riders wear? Everything says Harley Davidson, right? Their hats, their shoes. I mean, everything is Harley. And so, you know, we would have fun. They said, hey, are you going to put your bike in the show and shine? And I said, it's a Honda. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, don't worry about that, you know? But why do they wear all that stuff? Because they want to show what they're proud of, right? Look at my bike, you know? Look at what I wear. Guys, we do the same thing. As Christians, we're supposed to share what Jesus has done in us, what's important to us with everybody around us. And this doesn't have to be weird or awkward. It's just showing what Jesus has done in you. It's showing that hope that you have, that peace that you have with others, sharing that with them. And then he talks about the shield of faith. What was the shield? Something that protects you, right? And the Roman shields are typically like two by four, two feet by four feet, big old wooden thing. And sometimes they would cover it with leather. And so that shield of faith, and he talks about stopping the fiery arrows they would dip arrows in animal fat, light them on fire, and launch them at people. And so these shields would protect them. And then they had this, this is really cool, uh, this thing they called the tortoise maneuver. I got a picture of it. 
So Roman soldiers could kind of put their shields together, and then the guys behind them would throw their shields on top, and they would move forward. And it looks, they called it the tortoise because it looks like an angry turtle coming at you, right? But it protected them. It was this really cool maneuver they would do. And I was reading about this. They said when the Roman soldiers got together like that and moved on flat ground together, they were basically invincible. Like the only way to attack that is to what? Ride a horse right through the middle of it and try to break them up. And that's dangerous as well. Guys, this is the idea. When Paul saw that, and when Paul wrote this about the shield of faith, I think he was saying our faith is better when we're what? Together. That's why body of Christ is so important, to walk together with those who have faith like you, to build each other up. Because when we're out on our own, we're vulnerable, right? Another thing that Paul said was Satan is like a roaring lion. Do lions run into the middle of a pack to hunt? No, they find the ones that are off on their own or that are slower. You know, the old joke about, you know, if you're running away from a bear, you don't have to be faster than the bear. You just have to be faster than the person you're with, right? Because the bear is going to get the one who's on their own. Same thing Satan does. He attacks us when we're on our own. So when we have that faith together, it protects us. And when we put that faith with those around us, we're stronger, right? The shield of faith. Then he talks about the helmet of salvation. Satan loves to attack us where? In our minds. How did he come after Adam and Eve in the garden? Did God really say that you couldn't have that? He starts planting doubts. And he knows where our weaknesses are because they watch, right? And so he can't know our thoughts, but he attacks our minds. He puts things there, puts things in our path. And so the way that we protect our minds is through salvation. It's through knowing Christ and, and reading his word and meditate on it memorizing it, getting it down into our hearts. I love what Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17. He said, you already know these things, dear friends, so be on guard. Then you won't be carried away by the errors of these wicked people trying and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And guys, sometimes people think when I become a Christian, I have to stop thinking. Absolutely not. What did God say to the Israelites in the Old Testament? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're supposed to love God with our minds. We're supposed to read his word and meditate on it and think about it and grow in knowing him. And then he goes on and talks about our offensive weapon. And what is that? He called it the sword of the spirit, right? Which is the word of God. So we have to know how to use it. In Hebrews chapter 4, the writer says, The word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cut in between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. We have to know how to use the word. We have to memorize it. Get it down on our hearts. And guys, you'll see this. As you get to know Jesus better, as you start reading his word more, what happens when we start coming into hard situations? We start remembering verses, don't we? God starts taking that word that's playing in our heart and it helps us get through those things. It helps us remember those things. When you have a friend come and they say, oh my goodness, I am, I am so frustrated. I'm so worried. And then God starts bringing things back. You can tell me, you know, the Bible says instead of worrying, we can what? Pray. And the peace of God that guards our hearts and minds will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace that goes beyond understanding. We'll start sharing those things with others. That's how we fight deceit. That's how we fight the enemy is with the word. It's not attacking politicians. You still write letters to them and things and tell them what you think. But it's not going after them. It's what? It's fighting in the spirit. It's learning how to use the word. 
And then we have to understand the power that's available. The power that's available to us. And here's a great thing, guys. Paul goes through this whole list of armor that we have and the weapons that we have to fight against these spiritual battles. And he says, when the battle is over, you'll be able to stand. So we have to understand there's a power available to us. And here's the thing. We never fight in our own strength. We don't fight this battle against Satan and and his minions on our own, do we? We fight in the power of the Spirit. With the Word of God, with the the power of the Spirit in our lives, and with those standing next to us. We don't go on them on our own. When I was in college, I remember we had a missionary, and he was in a a South American country. He came up, and he was speaking. He said um, he was trying to get some students to go with him for the summer to do like an internship. And I thought, that would be amazing. And he came up, and, and he was saying, you know, this is tough. He said, there's a lot of spiritual warfare out there. And he said, if you guys... You know, if you don't know Jesus real well and you're not praying in the spirit every day and you're not praying on your own and all those things, you better not come because he's like, they will tear you alive. And then he told us, you know, what they ate. And I was like, I don't think I want to go there anymore. Um, But he said that they come against spiritual battles all the time, every day. And so he said, this is real. You don't fight in your own power. So we don't fight in our own strength and we stay in communion with the Lord. Paul said we need to pray all the time on every occasion. That means staying in an attitude of prayer all the time. Communicating with God all the time, right? And it's not just asking for stuff. It's talking to the Lord. It's telling him thank you for what he's done. It's spending time in his presence and getting to know him. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, Paul says, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us. With groanings that can't be expressed in words, and the Father who knows all our hearts knows what the Spirit's saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. So we stay in constant communion. We stay talking to Jesus all the time, walking with him. And we stay alert. He said, stay alert. In the Old Testament book of Nehemiah, they were rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. And he said that they would, they would stay alert all the time. And said so they would have somebody stand there with a the sword right with them. They would be working with one hand and have a sword in the other. And they'd have people with them all the time, staying alert, knowing what was going on around them. And if you remember, in the Garden of Eden, right before Jesus was crucified, he took the disciples with him and said, stay here and pray with me. What happened? They fell asleep. And I get it. It's hard. They prayed and they, they would fall asleep. And he'd come back, wake them up. They'd pray some more. So he said, you need to stay alert. So stay alert, stay on guard. And then last, we see the results. What happens when we start fighting this fight and we start walking with Jesus and living with him? What happens? We have peace. In Ephesians 6, 23, we read, he said, Peace be with you, brothers and sisters, and may God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ give you love and faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love Jesus. So guys, we're in a war. We're in a spiritual war in these days, just like we have been since creation. But God doesn't leave us out there on our own. He gives us the tools. And what is it? We stand in his word. We stand with him. Somebody asked the worship team if they would come up today. If you're able, would you stand this morning? We just want to take some time to pray together. I guess some of you may be here today. You may be saying, no, I'm I'm good. I'm not having any spiritual battles right now. Life is going well. That is awesome. We're going to keep praying. There may be some of you here today who say, you know what? I'm in the midst of a spiritual battle. Satan is coming after me with stuff. And we want to pray with you as well. So would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you so much today. 
for your love. We thank you that even though we're in the midst of a spiritual battle, you are always with us. And Lord, you give us the ability to stand through your power because you don't leave us alone. Lord, you also give us tools at our disposal. If we walk in the truth and we walk in relationship with you, we can overcome these battles through you. And so what I pray today that you would just be with each and every one of us that are here. Lord, you would speak to our hearts today. Lord, if there's anyone here today who doesn't have a relationship with you, they haven't started that, Lord, would you speak to them today? Let them know that they can start that today. Lord, if there are any of us here today who've maybe allowed some things to come into our lives, some, some chinks in the armor, we need to put that armor back on to walk in that truth more, Lord, would you speak to us? And Lord, if there are some here today who are in the midst of a spiritual battle, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen them today as well. Ask everyone just to close your eyes this morning if you're here and if you say you know today pastor x you're talking about this relationship with christ and i've never asked christ to forgive my sins i've never started this relationship with him but i want to do that today i want to ask jesus to forgive my sins i want to start a relationship with him we just slip your hand up right where you're at we want to pray with you today right where you are if you're here this morning say you know i've allowed some stuff to come into my life and i realize that I've allowed some things and I want to get that out. I want to walk in truth today. I want to get that stuff out of my life. If that's you, would you slip your hand up? We want to pray the right where you are. Yeah, absolutely. If you're here you say, you know, Pastor, I'm in the midst of a spiritual battle. I just, man, I need somebody to pray with me. Just hold your hand up. I'm just, I'm really fighting today and I need somebody to fight with me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you to take some time and spend with the, the Lord in this. But if you want someone to pray with you, as soon as I'm done praying, you can, we're going to sing a song. You can come up here to the front. Someone will come alongside you and pray with you. Because we're the body of Christ, and that's what we do. We stand together. So, Lord, right now, I pray for all those today who said maybe they've, they've allowed some things to come into their lives, and they want to get rid of that. Lord, I pray you'd help them today to walk in that truth again, to walk in that righteousness that comes from Jesus. Lord, help them to get things straight, to get stuff out of their lives so they can stand in this battle. And Lord, I pray for those we're in the midst of a spiritual battle. And they said, man, I need someone to pray with me. Lord, would you help them today? Would you lift them up? Would you help them through this fight? To know that they're not in it by themselves, but you're walking with them. God, I pray you would strengthen them, encourage them today. In Jesus' name.